0: The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, grace and peace to you this morning. We're, We're so glad that you're here with us today. Um, want to again announce that after services this morning we'll be going to Monument Hill for a picnic and egg hunt, and we would love to, to have you join us if you're a visitor and didn't bring any food or any eggs. That's okay. There'll be plenty there. Just just come on out, and if you need a, uh, directions or something, just find a find a member after services. Um, if you have your Bible with you and you want to turn to the text, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 24 this morning, the first 12 verses, Luke 24. If not, I'll have it on the screen in just a moment. Before we get to the sermon, I just want to make one announcement. Next week, we're going to start a a new series called Set Free. And so, if you've ever felt enslaved by things like debt or your busy schedule or clutter or just different things in life, uh, beginning next week, we're going to spend several weeks talking about how the gospel and how Jesus' plan for our lives sets us free from these things that often enslave us. So I would encourage you to come back next Sunday as we start that that new series. Luke 24, beginning in in verse 1. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is a story that we read every year. It's a story that is familiar to us, and that can be a dangerous thing. The resurrection is at the center of our faith. We are connected to the death and resurrection of Jesus through our baptism. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 1, 1.3 says that we have hope because of the resurrection. And so this one event, this single event, changes who we are. It changes our outlook on life. It forever changed the history of this world. Life would not be what it is today if it were not for the resurrection. Christianity and all the good things that go along with it, all the good things throughout the hundreds of years of its history, they would not exist if it were not for this single event. And so we should know the story of the resurrection because It's part of our identity. It's part of who we are. We would not be here without it. But at the same time, we must be careful when a story becomes too familiar. Take, for instance, the Lord's Prayer. This is a beautiful prayer. It's a prayer that has deep meaning. You can take that prayer and you can slowly pray one line at a time, meditating on the words of Jesus or... You could just rush through the prayer, never giving the words much thought at all. The Lord's Prayer is probably the most well-known prayer there is. And for some, it is an absolute treasure. It brings them comfort to know that they can pray the same words that were uttered on the lips of Jesus and his disciples. For others, it's a prayer that they know It's a prayer they're quite familiar with, but it doesn't mean much as they recite it. And the same thing can happen with the story of the resurrection. For Christians today, there are no surprise endings. Now, it was surprising to the people who lived it. It was surprising to the early followers of Jesus who heard about it. It was even surprising to the pagans and the Jews who first read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There was a time when this story was not widely known. And during that time, it was quite surprising. It was even shocking. Paul even describes it as scandalous. This was quite the story in its day. But nowadays, it's a story that that many of us I've heard lots of times and the question becomes is it a living story is it a story that means something to you is it a story that you live out in your own life does it give you hope is it powerful is it a catalyst for positive change in your life or Is it just another story? Is it simply words on a page and nothing more? Is it something that you politely listen to once a year, but it has little or no bearing on your life? And how you answer those questions is of utmost importance. It's going to greatly influence how you hear today's message, because either This story is at the center of your life. Or for you today, is just like any other day of the week. One of the ways we're able to grasp the the magnitude of this story is by placing ourselves in it. We need to understand what it was like to be a disciple of Jesus in the first century. If this was you, if if you were to um, make the decision to follow Jesus back then, then you would have placed your hope in this one man to rescue you from the evil forces that that you were living with on a daily basis, primarily the Roman government. You would have been hoping for a new exodus, and you would have been looking for someone like Moses to come and to lead God's people out of the bondage that that they were currently in. Uh, currently they were being oppressed by the Roman government. And so after hearing Jesus speak and see him perform miracles, you come to believe that that this new Moses is Jesus of Nazareth. And you decide to cast your lot with him because he's unlike uh, others who have come along and claimed to be the Messiah. You leave your job. You follow him all the way to Jerusalem where the the feast of the Passover is about to be celebrated. A wonderful time in Jerusalem when uh, Jews from all over that part of the world came to this city. And while in Jerusalem, Jesus is arrested. He's tried and he's sentenced to death. Now there were many ways to carry out a death sentence in ancient times. But Jesus is sentenced to the most heinous and cruel form of death. This method of putting people to death was reserved for people who rebelled against Rome. He was crucified on a cross. And once his followers recognized what was going to happen, they fled. Many of them went back to their jobs. They went back to their everyday lives as if nothing had ever happened Jesus was buried, and there was a couple of women who refused to flee. They took care of the burial. They prepared him to be laid to rest, and that was it. No one expected what happened next. No one was ready for the events that were about to take place. In fact, several of the disciples did not believe it after they were told about it. They demand to see it with their own eyes. One disciple refused to believe until he touched Jesus' wounds with his own hands. This story of resurrection told by the women who went to the tomb took some convincing. Why? Why did they need to be convinced? Well, it's because ancient people uh, believe just as we do today that, that dead people... Stay dead. They don't come back to life. And if someone says they did, then your first response may be to laugh at them. You would certainly be skeptical about their story. We're told what the apostles, Jesus' closest associates, thought about it in verse 11. These are the people who spent the most time with Jesus. These were the people who were his closest friends. And when they are told about this story, it says, But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. After you bury a person, you do not expect that person to come back to life. And if they did, it would be shocking. It would be something that you never forgot. You would talk about it for the rest of your life. And this is what happened. It took some convincing. They knew Jesus had been dead. They understood what crucifixion did to a person. They were aware of his burial. And so they they didn't make this decision lightly. But once they came to this truth, there was no stopping it. This small group of believers shared this unbelievable story of death, burial, and resurrection with everyone they knew. And Christianity went from nothing to something. Why? It was all because of an empty tomb. None of this would have happened without it. Now, you may be wondering what this has to do with you. You understand how this might have turned the world upside down in the first century, but what about the 21st century? Well, the resurrection was a turning point in history. It was the beginning of something new, something the New Testament calls new creation. What happened on the cross was the greatest wrong that this world has known. A completely... Innocent man was sentenced to a cruel and demeaning death. And so what we saw on the cross, what we witnessed there, was humanity's capacity for evil. God's own people. Think about that. The the, the people of God, they chanted for the Son of God to be put to death. Rome, although they could find nothing wrong... They just went along with the plan. How powerful is the mob mentality? How easy is it to, to join the masses and not consider the consequences of one's actions? How often do we stand by and allow evil to go on without saying a word? It probably happens more than we would like to admit. Now, the people in the the crowd that day were not all evil. They weren't all evil people, but they did an evil thing. And something like that could happen to any of us if we're not careful. We see what what evil is capable of on the cross. But God did not allow evil to have the last word. The crowd... Caiaphas and Pilate, they all proclaimed Jesus guilty, but God overturned the verdict. He raised Jesus from the dead. He gave him new life, and Jesus received a resurrected body. Evil and death were defeated, and something new began. When we are baptized, we are connected with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And that same power that raised Jesus from the grave, now lives in us. We are a new creation, as the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. We have a new outlook on life. We have a new mission. We have a new way of seeing things. And although evil has been defeated, it's been conquered, it's not given up the fight. We saw the effects of evil last week in Brussels. Evil is alive and well, and we're reminded of each time we turn on the news, each time that we hear of another terrorist attack, but but evil is not something that only happens in faraway countries. It happens here. It is alive in the towns and neighborhoods in which we live, and evil can strike at any place, at any moment. So what do we do when evil strikes? What do we do when we hear of another tragedy where innocent life is taken from us? We mourn with the grieving. We lament the fact that evil is real and it's alive. We acknowledge its existence and we renounce it. But we also have hope. And we can have hope because of a single event that happened 2,000 years ago. And so there are several responses that we need to have to evil. But hope should always be our strongest. Because no matter what happens, we know and we believe that God will right all wrongs. This is why he is called a just God. Whatever is not right, he will one day make it right. And we know this because this is what he did After the greatest act of evil this world has ever known. After his innocent son suffered and died on a cross. He righted the wrong. He overturned the verdict. He reversed the decision. He overcame evil and he gave us new creation. When I reflect on this passage in Luke 24... There's one question here that sticks out to me. When the women go to the tomb, they they find uh, two men in dazzling clothing. In other accounts, they're called angels. And these men men ask the women uh, a question. They say, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Now, this question has a specific purpose within this context. These women were looking for Jesus, who they knew was dead the day before. Uh, that they, they go to where they left him, they go to his tomb, they go to where he's buried, and this question is asked in order to inform the women that he's no longer dead, that he's alive, and they shouldn't be looking for him in a graveyard. Now we know the question means all that, but but I believe it goes deeper. And I believe it's a question that was meant for us. I believe that we're to ask this question of ourselves Why do you look for the living among the dead? We're all seeking something. And not just something, we're seeking something that is living, we're seeking something that makes our life meaningful. We're seeking something that gives us purpose. We're seeking joy. We're seeking love. We're seeking something that fills us with hope. And the problem is that we don't always look in the right places. And when we don't look in the right places, this leaves us unfulfilled. And sometimes this can be quite tragic Maybe you know someone who desperately wants love, but they keep, up in, uh, they keep ending up in these toxic relationships where the person cheats um, or the person's no good. Or maybe they're even abusive. And they're seeking the living among the dead. We all need love, but they're looking for it in all the wrong places. And this happens all the time. It, it can happen to any one of us. Maybe we seek our fulfillment in possessions. We think that owning a nice home and a nice car, well, that's just going to make us happy. That's going to fulfill this desire within us. Maybe we seek fulfillment in what we do. If we work hard enough and we we climb that company ladder, then one day it's going to all pay off. Maybe we seek fulfillment vicariously through our children. You know, if they're successful, If they're a good athlete, if they're a good student, then then that's where we're going to get our fulfillment. Now, there's nothing wrong with owning a house and doing well at our job or encouraging our kids to be successful. In fact, those are very good things, but they're not the source of life. They're not guarantees that no matter what happens, we'll always have love and we'll always have hope. There has to be something more. There has to be something greater that will give our life purpose and meaning in the middle of tragedy. There has to be something that fills us with hope even when evil takes away what we love. There has to be something that surrounds us with love whether we're on top of the world or whether we've hit rock bottom. And the thing that we seek, the source of all life, revealed himself to us 2,000 years ago in an empty tomb. God is the God of hope. He is the God of new life. He is the God of resurrection. And when we give ourselves to him and are baptized into Christ, then he has promised that we'll be resurrected just as Jesus was. Augustine famously said, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. Our hearts are restless until they rest in God. We are born into this world searching for the source of life. And people try and fulfill this longing in many different ways, but there's only one true source that gives us the the, the living water, as Jesus talks about, that we longingly seek And so the question this morning is not, are you searching? The question is, where are you searching? Where are you looking? Are you seeking what your heart desires? Among the living or among the dead? There are lots of things in this life that don't deliver. And and that's simply because they're incapable of giving us what we desperately need. They don't have the power to do that. There's only one power that is able to raise a person from the dead. And this is a power that Paul tells us in Romans 8 that all Christians possess. He says the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies By this same spirit living within you. Every Christian has resurrection power within them. God has given us everything that we need. We are connected to the true source of life. But sadly, there are times when we don't take advantage of this because we're off looking somewhere else. We're off looking for something more. And it's right inside of us. So the one thing that you need to hear this morning is that the tomb is empty. Jesus has been raised from the dead. And that same power now lives in you. There's nothing else you need. We possess the power that overcame evil on the cross And conquered death at the resurrection. And if we remember this and we live into this reality, then our lives will be transformed. Then our lives will never be the same. Evil has no power over us, death has no power over us. We are one with Christ and we have nothing to fear. Because he lives. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for so many blessings that you've given us, material blessings, spiritual blessings. But more than anything, Father, we're thankful for the blessing of resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. May we not get distracted by other things in this life. Things that may promise much but can deliver on little. May we always turn to you, to your word, to your son, and to your Holy Spirit. Father, help us to be more like Jesus each and every day. Help us to be a light to the people around us and to point them to the power of your resurrection, an event that that changed history and an event that changed our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.